You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to take you around the league with Jared Dubin from CBSSports.com and focus on Saquon Barkley with Steve Jones, Penn State's football broadcaster. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with former Raiders CEO and CBS analyst Amy Trask. Amy, always a pleasure. Let's start on the path to the draft. I'm sure you enjoyed the combine coverage that wrapped up today. If we're talking about the marquee quarterbacks, and we're all guessing to a degree, but you have an informed opinion, which of the college quarterbacks do you like the most heading to the pros? Boy, um, first of all, thanks for having me. It's always my privilege and pleasure to join you. Uh, You know, I am not put off, as others seem to be, by anything having to do with Baker Mayfield. Um, I, I... I'm, I'm interested in in the Darnold situation, Josh Allen. I haven't made up my mind, but I do know this. You've got hours and hours and hours of game film. And yes, I know it's not really film anymore, but I still call it game film. So spend more time focusing on the film than on the workouts in Indianapolis. I just, I've never understood, or I guess I understood, I'm just annoyed by, puzzled by, the fact that people will look at game film, game tape, game whatever the heck, and then spend so much time and put so much weight on combine drills. And that's all they really are, are drills to see these guys are still in shape, probably uh, wanting to make sure these guys are still locked in and focused. But when you look at this draft in many years and even when you were part of the game, you knew that number one spot eight out of ten times was the worst team in the National Football League. Sometimes it can fall that way because you lose a few players, but it may not be a bad organization. But Cincinnati and Cleveland has won that award for, for over some time of being one of the worst uh, teams in many, many years. When you see that, would you take a quarterback and build around him, which we know traditionally that's been the case, or this kid, Saquon Barkley, and maybe grab a quarterback at the fourth spot and build an offensive line around them both? I think that's a tough call, Cordell. I really do because, I mean, let's focus on Cleveland for a minute. Cleveland has to solve that quarterback situation. They've got to solve it. And you're right. You know you know best of, of us. Um, you've got to have an offensive line. You've got to have a running game. It takes more than just a quarterback to turn something around. If they believe that there is a quarterback there that can solve their problem, then take them. Now, I don't know if that's their analysis, and I do understand the value of that back, but if they believe there's a guy that they can grab right off the bat that's going to put that empty hole, you know, fill the hole, put the issue to rest, take them. If they're not sold on them, you know, take Barkley or think about trading that pick and amassing more. But, but here's the problem. If you're going to amass even more picks than they have, You've got to use them wisely. Got with Amy Trask of CBS Sports. Amy, you know John Gruden well from your time together in Oakland. What are your expectations for a second stint with the team starting with this season? Well, I think that, you know, John can solve two issues for the team. Um, let's look off-field for a moment. The team has, or the organization has, a minimum of one 
possibly two or more years, left in a marketplace that the team has announced it is abandoning. So you've got those magnificent, magnificent fans who've been filling the Oakland Coliseum for years and years and years, sticking with that team through thick and thin, and they've been told by the organization, basically, bye, girl. Um, See how I dropped that bye, girl, in there? They've been told, we're leaving. So what John can do is energize that fan base, keep it enthused and engaged during the team's remaining years in Oakland. The team has also committed to a staggering amount of debt. It really is a breathtaking amount of debt to do that stadium deal in Las Vegas. And John can excite people who are, who are being looked to buy the very, very, very expensive products needed to service that debt for that stadium. So that's off-field. It's a shrewd business move. On-field, I'm less bothered than it seems many people are that he's been out of the game for the number of years he has. There's been all this hue and cry, but, 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 but he hasn't coached in so long. And while that's true, he was evaluating 32 teams every single year in his role as a broadcaster. So he does have that advantage that others who have sat out for a while have not had. Marshawn Lynch, do you think he comes back to be a part of this intense mentality of a John Gruden? I I don't know, but I hope he does. I mean, look, I'm a Lynch fan going back to his days at Cal. Um, I loved him as a bear. I've loved him in the NFL. But I think, you know, my impression and my understanding is the team is going to make a strictly economic decision as to whether or not to bring back Lynch. I hope he's back with the team. Um, I just I don't know that they'll do that economically. Amy Trask, CBS Sports, is our guest on the NFL on Tune. And Amy, what's your evaluation of Kirk Cousins? We know he's going to get paid. It's so rare that a frontline starting quarterback, I'll avoid elite or premier as the adjective today, frontline starter even gets the free agency. But when a team, be it Minnesota or the Jets or whomever else, pays them all that money, what are they getting in return when they sign Kirk Cousins? You know, fascinating, fascinating question. Kind of almost like you do this for a living as a professional. I've been bluffing you for a long time. You know that, Amy. You know, it's, um, I, I find the whole Cousins thing fascinating. Would he be an improvement for many teams? Yes, he would. Is he a good quarterback? I think he is. Is he, to use the E word, elite? I don't think so. And my sense right now is that someone may overpay him, overpay, of course, being a very, very subjective term. Um, look, he, he's going to have multiple suitors, and there's going to be a sort of race, if you will, to see who can get him, and someone's going to be willing to pay him a lot, a lot, a lot of money. Do I think he's good? Yes. Do I think he's an improvement for a lot of teams? Yes. Do I think he's spectacular? No, I don't. Eh, some on this show think he's special, especially going to Minnesota, giving him all that money. Because I think they need to re-sign Case Keaton for a low, low deal and well, allow this team to continue to play good football. Because if you give someone like Kirk Cousins that type of money, I think now you end up throwing a monkey wrench, so to speak, into the dollars and cents that will be sitting there allocated for each team every year to be able to keep this young football team around for some time with bringing someone like a Kirk Cousins, giving him, let's just say, in competition with an Alex Smith, 70 million bucks guaranteed. Well, let me ask you something. Look at me. I'm going to interview you now. If you had a choice of re-signing Case Keenum for X dollars, let's just say X, whatever X is, 
or signing Kirk Cousins for one and a half X or two X or two and a half X. What would you do? To me, that's an easy answer. I would sign Keenum for X, not Cousins for two X, mm-hmm. because I'd use that differential on other positions. I agree with you 110%. I mean, since, I mean, I, I look at it from this standpoint, Amy, and, and, and I think Tom Coughlin did it best down in Jacksonville. You know the backlash is going to come. Well, they won a lot of games spite up Blake Bortles. But Blake Bortles in the postseason played some really good football to the point where he had his team sitting there at, tw- at what, winning, what, that game, 20 to 10. And this has been a defense that created, what, 17 turnovers with fumbles, 13 of them were recovered, and they took six of them back to the house. There's no one in the National Football League that I can remember, dating all the way back to the 85 Bears team, that was capable of creating those many turnovers in the fumble category recovering them and right at half to 48% of those balls that are recovered are taken back to the house. So I'm a Case Keenum fan for sure, but I think the chemistry they have is one that you shouldn't break up because allegedly it looks as if a guy who's a middle-of-the-road quarterback in Kirk Cousins can be lucky to get that kind of money. I wouldn't bring him to Minnesota for no reason whatsoever because anything less than an NFC championship game would be uncivilized, as they say in the Old Spites commercials. Well, and look, I agree with you on Jacksonville's defense. Absolutely spectacular defense. And what you want out of a quarterback is please just don't mess it up. You know, and I'm, and that's, I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek because, of course, you want more. But if you've got a defense, I mean, look, we all know this, it's math. If your defense can hold opposing offenses to a relatively low number of points, then you're not asking your offense to score a gabillion, that's a technical term, a gabillion points a game. I thought what, oh, and by the way, someone with Jacksonville, and I apologize, I don't remember who it was, but someone with Jacksonville recently said, we didn't do enough to help Blake Bortles. We didn't get him enough help. So, uh, you know, keep him. Get them a little bit more help and keep building that defense. Amy, great information as always. Thanks for being generous with your time once more today on the NFL on TuneIn. I always love joining you, man. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Catch up on today's news briefs with TuneIn Podcasts, featuring Stay Tuned with Pre From Cafe and WNYC Studios, welcome to Stay Tuned. New York Times, The Daily. From The New York Times, I'm Michael Barbaro. This is The Daily. Fox News Rundown. I'm Tom Shalhoub, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Find your favorite news podcast by searching the TuneIn app or by asking Alexa today. Now you're in the know with TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's focus on Saquon Barkley with Penn State's football announcer, Steve Jones. Steve, thanks so much for taking the time. We know about Barkley, the football player, and how brilliant he was over the weekend at the Combine. What should we know about Saquon Barkley, the person? Humble. Um, is the first guy to look around at everybody and say, well, I'm only here because of him, 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 about his family. I mean, when he gets to the end zone, he'll, he'll find his family in the stands. He'll point to them because of how important they are to him along the way. That's just the kind of guy that he is. Uh, he makes everybody around him better, although you, you mentioned that the, it was in that play-by-play cut about Trace McSorley delivering the ball. Say this, McSorley is the one guy out there that made Barkley better. 
uh, because of how he played. But Barkley is a very humble, down-to-earth guy, really appreciates everything he's been able to do during the course of his lifetime and his career. And one of the great stories about him was that when he ran track, he won a gold medal in the hurdles at the PIAA State Championships here in Pennsylvania. And there was a, a girl that won a medal, and she crossed, but there was a problem with the start. Not hers, but somebody else. They had to rerun the race, and she didn't win. And Barkley talked to his coach, went over, and gave her his gold medal. Wow. That's big to be able to give something you've worked so hard for to, to someone else, just to make them feel good and, and, and somewhat uh, do something that makes someone smile. But when it comes to, to Saquon, he's – I'll just say he was the star, let's just say, at the Combine. I mean, everyone's talked about the quarterbacks, and I think there was not one quarterback that really stood out to make you be like, you know what, this is one of those great classes, but the guy who stood out was Saquon Barkley. Give me your take if he goes to the Cleveland Browns. How would that work out for him? Cordell, you know what? He's a generational player. There's just certain guys along the way that are generational players. And, you know, when you look at, at, at what he did here at Penn State, he really improved himself across the board. He made himself into an excellent player as a receiver. Uh, you played the touchdown catch he made against McCray. Well, I mean, I don't know why Michigan had a linebacker on him, but did. And so he he's a guy that runs routes out of the backfield. You know, Le'Veon Bell is so good because Le'Veon Bell runs routes like a wideout. He's not a guy that floats out of the backfield in circles. Le'Veon Bell runs routes. Barkley runs routes. Barkley also improved himself as a blocker. Penn State won a game on the final play of the game at Iowa this year. It was a fourth and goal play, last play of the game. Josie Jewell, who was another really good NFL prospect, blitzes, and Barkley stoned him in the hole to give McSorley the time to throw the game winner to Juwan Johnson. So he's become a complete back. And to me, Cleveland's in an interesting spot. When you're drafting one and four, and there are multiple quarterback prospects, Barkley's a generational player. And I'm telling you, that's, I mean, I would not be surprised if they went that way because I think that they have options at four with quarterback. Chatting with Steve Jones, longtime radio voice of Penn State Sports. Steve, you know how the process works. This time of the year, every player gets critiqued and dissected. Some pundits have wondered why Barkley only had 400-yard rushing games last season. Could you speak to that? Sure, uh, because you've got every single defense on the face of the earth tilted towards stopping you. If you want to put eight in the box, you can do that. And so what Penn State did was they took advantage of that this year. So they had the opportunity to run Barkley. You know, they ran Barkley. If they had the opportunity to use Barkley as a receiver, he was used as a receiver. And then Barkley was so often used as a decoy out there. Where, you know, you'd think at the Barkley, and I remember a play they ran. I want to say it was in the, in the uh, Michigan game. They ran a play where they faked at the Barkley. Four guys went with Barkley. Touchdown pass the other way. He returned kickoff, two kickoffs for touchdowns. He also set records at Penn State for receiving this year and receiving yards. And the entire point was to try and get him into the open field as often as possible. So when you've got eight in the box trying to stop one guy and you're, you're outnumbering people, well, that's going to cause problems for any running back. And he still ran for over 1,200, almost 1,300 yards this year. He still averaged 100 yards a game. When you look at what he was able to do and, and think of the backs that came out over the last couple of years, whether it's Christian McCaffrey and Ezekiel Elliott, 
Would I go too far to say that he has a combination of both those guys' talent? Because you did mention him playing special teams, which we know Christian McCaffrey and Ezekiel Elliott didn't do that in college. They just were backs. But yet at the same time, we know Christian McCaffrey catches the ball out of the backfield. He's the leading receiver with the Carolina Panthers. And Ezekiel Elliott, he just gets in where he fits in from the standpoint of catching a football, but he's just as valuable doing the same. Would you say he's a combination of both if they were to grab him in the first as a number one spot or even going to the Giants, which I think he'll probably have a little bit more success because they have a better offensive line? Yeah, better offensive line. I think what they're probably going to franchise Pew, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised, which would help the Giants' offensive line. Uh, you know, they're getting Beckham back, and then, you know, that, I mean, there's a domino there that Barkley could be really successful in New York. But to your point, Cordell, about uh, Barkley as a combo between the two, in some ways, yes, because as you know, uh, McCaffrey did return punts at Stanford. But Elliott did none of that. And, of course, I saw Elliott play against Penn State, and you could just tell Elliott had all the makings of a major league running back because Elliott is a really good receiver out of the backfield. Elliott is a great blocker. You don't really get a chance to see it as often in Dallas, but in the Ohio State system, when Barrett would fake to the, to the running back, the running back, when Barrett kept it, was actually you know, it was the running back that's the lead blocker more often than not in that play for Ohio State. And that's where Elliott showed what an all-around football player he is. That's what Barkley is, an all-around player. And I think I see some elements of Christian McCaffrey as a receiver like you talked about. I see some elements of, of Zeke Elliott in the fact that, that Barkley can run with power. And I also see some elements of a speed back because I don't care what he turned into the combine. I watched him run 4-3-3 here at Penn State. Chatting with Steve Jones, radio voice of Penn State football. Steve, let's expand our focus. What other Penn State names should we know on the path to the draft? Your tight end dominated the combine this weekend. Not surprised. Mike Kosicki's uh, Ryan is a really, really great prospect. He ran four five five at the combine, which ironically is faster than Antonio Brown ran, who ran four five seven. But he is one of those guys, and Cordell, you would know this too. Would like take Terrell Pryor. Terrell Pryor never looks like he's running fast until you realize he's eating up so much ground with each stride, nobody catches him. Well, that's Gasicki. He eats up a lot of ground with how he strides because he's six six. The other part that makes Mike really effective, and I know he turned out twenty two reps at the at the two twenty five, which was also impressive for Mike. But the other part that makes Mike Gasicki a great NFL prospect is his basketball background. He was the two-time player of the year in New Jersey. And there are times where he uses his body like he's a basketball rebounder. Now, this has been really successful for several several players. Let's take Jimmy Graham. Let's take Antonio Gates. Like I did Antonio Gates' last game at Kent State in basketball. He played in the NIT against Penn State. So Gates and Graham are two guys that are former, that are former basketball players playing in the NFL. Kosicki plays a lot like that. He understands how to use his body as a shield, as if he is trying to trying to block out on a rebound, and he gets the ball at the high point. What makes Kosicki difficult is that at six six, he's too quick for a linebacker to cover. Okay, and also at six six, he also is tough for a safety to cover because of height and the fact that a quarterback can put it in a location where it's either going to be caught by Mike or it's going to be incomplete. It's not going to be picked. Is Saquon Barkley the best player in this draft? Yes. Yes, he's, he, he's a, Cordell, he's a generational player. There's just certain guys that fall into that category. 
And I remember the, the first practice I saw him at Penn State. You know, it, I don't look at tapes of, of highlight tapes of guys coming in. I mean, when's the last time you saw a guy on, on the highlight tape in high school miss a jump shot? I mean, have you ever seen on a highlight tape dude missing a jump shot? <laughs> I mean, in running, I mean, how many times you look at a, at a high school tape and go, well, I saw nothing but touchdowns. So I never watched that stuff. So I heard he had, that they really were high on him. First practice, I called up Jack Ham, who's my broadcast partner, and part of the lineage that Cordell's from, obviously, with the Steelers. Oh, yeah. right? And I said, Jack, you've got to see this guy. I said, uh, this is unreal. So Jack comes in here two days later uh, from Pittsburgh. And he looked at me and he says, I haven't seen anybody like this in forever here. And neither had I. And I just wanted to see how it would play out because you could see all the natural athletic attributes, the attitude, the uh, the, the camaraderie. He, you know, one of the guys that also had great skill. And I watched him over three years get a little bit better at something all the time to the point where he became an absolute complete back. And I rarely say this about somebody, but you know, after watching, going all the way back to Kurt Warner, to, to John Carter, Larry Johnson, and others, he's the best football player I've seen here. And that is high praise, given all of your time in the booth in Happy Valley. Steve, we appreciate the insights. Thanks so much for joining us today on the NFL on TuneIn. Absolute pleasure. Great questions, guys. I appreciate it. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. The boys of summer are back. And a fly ball well hit. It's back to the wall. He leaps. Can't get it. It's a home run. MLB Spring Training is here, and you can catch every game from Florida and Arizona live on TuneIn Premium. Rivalry games, split squad games, TuneIn Premium has it all. When the pitch count begins for real, catch every game of the 2018 MLB season, from opening day to the MLB World Series, live on TuneIn. It's gone! It's a home run! Major League Baseball is on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL, no huddle the podcast. Let's take you around the league with Jared Dubin from CBSSports.com. Jared, thanks so much for taking the time. What's your assessment of Cousins? When a team, be it Minnesota, the New York Jets, whomever else, signs him to the mega deal, what are they getting? How good of a quarterback do you think beyond the stats Kirk Cousins is? I think a lot of that depends which team he winds up with. You know, a lot of it is going to depend on the infrastructure that he has around him. I think we've seen that when he gets really good protection and when his receivers are on the field, that he's capable of being one of the better quarterbacks in the league. When he doesn't have that protection and when he doesn't have his full complement of receivers and even, you know, the running backs at times, then obviously he doesn't look as good. That's true of pretty much every quarterback in the league. But there are some that can sort of transcend the context that they have. I don't know if he's that kind of player, but I think if you drop him into Minnesota where they have those two really good receivers, they have a really good tight end in Kyle Rudolph, they have running backs coming back in, uh, in Dalvin Cook when he comes back from injury, and then Latavius Murray as well. I think he would look really good there as long as they get him some help along the front of the offensive line, You know, whether it's in the draft or free agency. You drop him with the Jets, You know, they do have a couple good receivers. They don't really have that tight end. They don't have the offensive line right now. They don't really know who their running back is. I don't think he would look quite as good there. You know, He'd make a whole lot of money, supposedly $60 million in that first year. Maybe it's worth it, but I think he would be a much better fit for Minnesota. Jerry, when you mentioned uh, a team like the Minnesota Vikings, uh, we saw how well they played, let's just say, without the star power at that position with, with Case Keenum coming in and, and playing really well, going 11-3 and three as a starter on this football team and was a big part of their success. But when you look at Kirk Cousins, 
This team is so good that they don't need a guy that has to come in and get a mega, have mega bucks coming into this to its pockets. All they need is a guy that can come in and just be serviceable, but good when they need him to be. And my question is, do you think Kirk Cousins, who I think is at the middle in the middle of the pack of all quarterbacks in the National Football League, do you think he's worthy of getting that type of money, which could be something like what we've seen of Jimmy Garoppolo? I don't know that I think he is. I mean, it's basically just a matter of luck with quarterback contracts at this point when you come up for your deal. If you're a starter-quality quarterback at this point, it seems like you just get the biggest deal in NFL history as long as you're up for free agency at the right time. And he happens to be hitting free agency at the exact right time with a bunch of teams that need quarterbacks and the cap going up like $10 million a year. And his team has already found its quarterback for the next few years in Alex Smith. So whether we think he's worth it or not, he's going to get that huge deal. And, and I think you're right. You know, Minnesota has shown that they can do really well with a quarterback, like you said, is, is not necessarily one of the top quarterbacks in the league. But I think some of that was the context as well. You know, Pat Shermer schemed Case Keenum into position to be successful, and he took advantage of those schemes, and he found really good wide receivers and Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, and that worked really well for them. You know, I don't know what it's going to look like without Shermer there anymore. So maybe they do need someone who is a little bit more talented. But I don't think it matters that he's not necessarily the kind of guy that, you know, is worth whatever it is, $30-plus million a year. That's really just Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers is on that list. But because of the importance of quarterback today, if you're a free agent at the right time, that's just the money you get. Jared Dubin, CBSSports.com, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Jared, Teddy Bridgewater still waiting for official confirmation from the league that he indeed will be a free agent. Let's presume that's true. Understanding he had to come all the way back from that devastating knee injury, but if he gets to the marketplace, how much demand do you think would be out there for Teddy Bridgewater? It's an interesting question. I think it depends probably whether teams are looking at him as a starter, which I think he showed he could be before that injury, or whether they're looking at him as a backup. You know, he has the talent. I don't think there's any question there. It's obviously a question of, you know, what he's going to look like post-injury. If there's a team that needs sort of like a bridge starter, uh, you know, while they pick uh, a guy in the draft, I think he could be an interesting option there. If there's a team, I saw it floated Kansas City, that, you know, is looking for a veteran guy that is going to be a high-quality backup that could step in as a starter if you need him to. I think that makes a lot of sense for him, too. But I don't know if anybody's going to be willing to commit to him as, like, their surefire quarterback of the future. You know, even though he was a first-round pick a few years ago, when you have an injury like that, it's just so difficult to count on somebody like that. Number one pick is with the Cleveland Browns, and, and we know there's conversations about maybe grabbing a quarterback, but Saquon Barkley, I think, was so dynam- dynamic uh, in this last in this combine, knowing that they need a back as well. Give me your take on this maybe one of the times where you end up seeing uh, a running back go first in a very long time. I think it's possible. I don't necessarily know that that's the direction – I'd go in. There was a really good article over the weekend um, at SB Nation about how even though there are some running backs that have been, you know, quote unquote, transcendent players, that on average, the guys that get picked in the top 20, they're basically just as productive as every other running back around the league. They average the same amount of yards per carry over the last, I think it was 15 years or so. Backs that get picked in the top 20 average the same many yards per carry as every other running back in the league. And when you look at it, the cost of those players 
for example, you know, he used um, uh, Jalen Ramsey and Ezekiel Elliott as a comparison. Jalen Ramsey, one of the best cornerbacks in the league right now. He's only something like the 25th highest paid cornerback in the league. That's incredible value. Ezekiel Elliott's also one of the best running backs in the league, but he's like the third highest paid running back right now. So the marginal value at that position just isn't there. Even if you think Barkley is that kind of player, you're probably not going to be right just because teams are wrong in the draft more often than they're right. And just the, the marginal value cost for them at a position where, you know, the league has shown that they can find productive running backs pretty much anywhere. I don't know that I would go in that direction, even if I think he's the best player in the draft. I think, Jared, in my opinion, a lot of the pro Barkley sentiment also comes down to flaws connected to all the marquee quarterbacks, and that's the case mm-hmm. each year, but we can pick apart all five of the potential first-round quarterbacks if you want to include Lamar Jackson, not only based on what you saw over the weekend of the Combine, but body of work. Which quarterback do you think is going to be most impactful when they make it to the league? You know, prefacing this by saying that I haven't done all of the tape watching that I'll eventually do just yet. You know, I I certainly see the idea of, you know, the upside that Josh Allen has that people talk about with he's, you know, quote unquote, looks the part. He's huge. He's got a cannon for an arm. He tested off the charts athletically at the combine. And that's the kind of thing that the league has tended to go for. But you know, over the years, the league has not really been all that good at evaluating quarterbacks. That's why it has the highest bust rate in the first rounds of, you know, anybody. You know, you take quarterbacks that are not necessarily traditional, and you can find them, and they can play really well. You need to build your offense around who the quarterback is. And I think that if you look at that, I mean, I I love Lamar Jackson. He is I think if he went to the right offensive coordinator that knew how to build an offense around him and take advantage of everything that he can do, then he would be the best player. I'm just not confident that those offensive coordinators necessarily exist in the NFL because they tend to just be risk-averse and they've been looking for the same kind of traits in quarterbacks for years. And I think that, you know, if you're looking at that, I would go probably with somebody more along, you know, the Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen line just because – those are the kind of quarterbacks that, that offensive coordinators are used to, and those are the kind of offenses they're going to design. But if it were me and I could design an offense from scratch and really build it around a player's skill set, I think I would go with Jackson, even if you do have the concerns about he's, quote-unquote, slighter than some of the other quarterbacks that you like out there. Mentioning evaluating the players, which I know they all are being evaluated, uh, but the young man coming out of UCF, Shaquem Griffin, running a 4-3, 8 and a 40 uh, we know he that doesn't awesome. have his left Wasn't hand, it? but I know, right? And he comes in and, and gives you 20 on the bench press of 225. And I got to be honest with you, when you see most these, most these players out here running four threes, when you look at their body types, I mean, they're pretty chiseled. All due respect, mm-hmm. they're pretty chiseled. But we had an opportunity to see a young man, in Sha- Shaquem Griffin, come out and just shatter everything. How do you evaluate what he could potentially do on a football team? Because you have to be, you have to assume he'll get drafted no later than maybe what the second or third round, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think he came into the weekend as probably like a day three prospect. Um, you know, when you test out that well athletically, you know, I think it's possible he could move himself into the day two conversation. You know, I think if he had both of his hands and it's weird to say it like that, but if he had both of his hands, he probably would be, you know, a mid to late day two prospect looking at what he can contribute as a pass rusher, as somebody that can make plays 
all over the field as a linebacker that also has experience as a defensive back. You know, he's a linebacker that you probably don't have to take off the field in some package situations because he does have that speed and that athleticism. You know, there are organizations that I, I would imagine might take him off their board entirely because they just wouldn't be able to figure out how to scheme around that limitation that he does have. And there are coaches that are going to say, you know what, the kid can play and he can make plays at all three levels of the defense. He can rush the passer. He can play the run. And, you know, he had interceptions in his college career. He seems to have really good instincts defending against the pass as well. And he does have experience as a defensive back. So there are coaches and organizations that are going to say, let's just do it and figure out what we can do with it. Garrett, we appreciate the information. Thanks for joining us today on the NFL on TuneIn. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.